And so what we're going to do this morning is, I want to talk to you for a little bit. And then I want us to go into a time of worship and a time of prayer. Because whenever you read church history, and whenever you look throughout Scripture, worship is the opening to the presence of God. Worship is the presence of God being ushered in. Joshua, the battle of Jericho, how did the walls fall? Worship. Worship. But, it doesn't stop there, otherwise we worship worship. But this morning, I want to share a passage with you. That's something that I really feel like God's been sharing to my heart, not only about us, but the area we live in. And the area we live in is a very difficult area to live in to really connect with Jesus. It's probably harder than any other place in the world um, next to Europe where we can really connect with God. Because it, ever, it always seems like when someone is doing awesome, okay? Remember when you were in uh, junior high? Fowler, come here. We went to junior high together. <laughs> come here. Remember, remember in junior high? Come here, Dave. Okay. <laughs> he's, he, he, I only have three people in my life that call me Robert, and he's one of them. Remember that? Turn and walk away. Remember when you're walking down the hallway and someone just kind of kicks you? Remember that? (laughs) I'm sorry. Do you remember that? And you're walking down the hallway and you do the same thing. Like, why you got to do that? Because you're standing next to your seventh grade wannabe girlfriend and you're like, why you just got to make me look foolish? So that's what happens. It seems like he's ready to like punch me out. See his face on him? He's like, there's this, you can sit down. Let's give him a hand. I love you. I love you too. Give him a hand. Woo! Yeah. What's up, Chris? How are you? What's going on? Um, but in this, in this, there seems like there's a point, like being in junior high when we're walking and everything's going right, and all of a sudden, oh, and you trip, and then you're terrified. So you walk down the hallway looking for that Parker kid, huh, huh, and then you start walking like this, and then your whole focus is lost. <clears throat> and I really believe that this morning, that God wants to deal with the elephant in your soul. The elephant in your soul. It's that issue that you know that God will bring up every once in a while, but no one wants to deal with it. It's also an issue that other people see in your life, but for some reason it is always going to be ignored by you. And I want to look at a passage that that we know. But there's two things I want us to do. I want us to look at a passage that we probably have have either heard or know of. But I want us to also focus not on the person in the passage, but the posture of Jesus. The posture of Jesus. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Okay? Because here's my tension. I am sick of being, seeing people always tripped up that every time something awesome is going on in their life, all of a sudden, they're derailed and they never get back on. Or when they do, they're starting at ground zero again. And there has to be... Do you know, do you know the, 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 the biggest number in the world is one? And the hardest number to get to is from zero to one is the most difficult place to go because once you get to one, once you move, you go from one to two and there's momentum. But we need to get to a place that we stop going back to zero. Does anyone ever feel like that? Anyone? Okay. Anyone ever feel like that? Okay. Sound guy does. Good job, sound guy. But think about that. It's true. There has to be a place that this elephant is confronted 
and taken out of your soul so you can live the most amazing life that Jesus has for you. Does anyone want that? Okay. That's what we're here this morning to do. And I pray that this morning is one of the most profound mornings in your life. Not by what I say, but what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. And so before I even begin, I want to pray. And I want to ask you to trust me that whatever God reveals to you this morning, that it's that elephant that He wants to not only confront, but release from blocking you from knowing the true presence of Jesus Christ. Let's pray that, okay? Let's pray together. Jesus, I want to thank you for how you prepared my heart for this morning. And God, I want to ask for forgiveness for so many after Easter mornings I get frustrated and angry. But rather, you have taught me to deal with the elephants in my soul and I'll continue to do that. But I ask you this morning, Holy Spirit, presence of the living God, fall on us. Allow us to see what you want to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. We're only going to read half the, the whole passage. We only, I have the whole thing, but we're only going to read about, four, about five verses. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, imagine this, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, what is kneeling down? What is it a sign of? Submission. It's a sign of submission. You've probably read this a hundred times and probably never seen that. All you see is that this guy ran up to him, but he ran up to him and knelt down and asked the one question, what must I do to have eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And check out the posture of Jesus. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine what? Say it. Love. For him. Before I even read what he says, do you realize that when the Father looks down upon you, He looks at you with genuine love. Not anger, not frustration, but He has a posture of love. There's still one more thing you haven't done, He told him. Go and sell all your possessions And give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. At this 
the man's face fell. And he went away sad, and he had many, for he had many possessions. Think about this. Mark chapter 10. This is not the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He has been doing this for a while. Two plus years, Mark chapter 10. When you get to Mark chapter 10, it's probably about over two years going into year three of his ministry. And so, so many people had heard about who Jesus was and and they would always go see him. And, and there's always these little significant moments where you see Nicodemus and, and other people like this young man who would kind of find Jesus on, on his own, purposely needing to find that, that one word, that one word that was going to radically change their life. And there's also probably a fear because like a Nicodemus and like the rich young man, there was these barriers, elephants that always probably caught them from asking the big question in the middle of the crowd. But this young man ran to Jesus, not just in a, in a, hey, let me challenge you, but he literally ran to Him in a place of submission. Jesus, tell me anything to do and I'll do it. And he doesn't call him rabbi. He calls him good rabbi. He gives him a name above all other rabbis' names. You are set apart from everyone else. You see, there's something unique about this man. Is First and foremost, we need to understand that he was a good religious man. Remember the question that Jesus asked him? You know, here were the commandments. Have you, have you kept these commandments? Do you know what commandments they were? The last five. The last five of the ten, Jesus said, do not commit a murder, do not commit adultery, do not do this, honor your father and mother. And he names all five commandments. And he is quick to say, I have done them all. I have done them all. There was more to this man than just being a good religious man. He was was a young man. A man in this place, probably in his, at the time, late teens, because people only lived to 37. 37 was the elderly, believe it or not, in Bible times, okay? So I wouldn't be around because I'm 42. I would be a really old man. But he was probably in his early 20s, really probably 18-ish. And he was forming his identity, right? We've all gone through that. We've all gone through our stages. If you look at our pictures... From high school, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, freshman year in college, all of a sudden your wardrobe and your hairdo and your eyeglasses and your friends, everything's always evolving because you're trying to find your identity. He was a young man of wealth, meaning he was a young man of power, meaning he was a young man of prestige. More than likely, he came from a line of prestigious and powerful people. Because back then, you weren't... Most often, the only time you had power or prestige is if you were born into it. People. That you fell into a class system. And class, who had come from a good family, had come from from a solid background, who came from a lineage of people who were obedient to the law of God. 
But still, there was an elephant in his soul. I mean, think about this. How often do we find ourselves when everything's going okay, that there's still this unholy disconnection and disconnect, discontentment with us? You ever have that? Everything is going well. Everything is playing out the way that it should. And still there's this disconnect that is not functioning properly. And here you have a young man who that was. This man should not have ran to Jesus and say, how do I have eternal life? He's done everything. He was living that picture. He was actually looking through this even through the book of Job. Because Job's friends said to Job, you know, you must be doing something wrong because you've lost your wealth. You've lost your family. You've lost your inheritance. And this guy is thinking, I must be really godly because godliness in Old Testament standard meant that everything was perfect. That I was successful. That I was provided for. That I was safe and secure. And in my safety and security, God must be present. Why is it then that in this area of New Jersey that we have the most discontentment going on in the souls of individuals? Why is it still this still a wreck? Why why are so many issues? If we were to live in Old Testament standard, we have everything is safely upon us. Because Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. Meaning that there was more than what was on the outside that God wants to deal with. And the one thing that stands out to me more than anything else in this passage is not the issue of this guy, but it's the posture of Jesus Christ. And he looked at him with genuine love. It's like when one of my children do something really idiotic. And there's times that I will fly off the hinges and then there's times that I just start laughing. Like, what did they just do? This just happened last Sunday, but if I tell the story, I owe my son $5, so I'm not going to tell it. But he knows what I'm talking about. And I literally walked into the room and I started laughing. And Sue's like, what are you laughing for? I'm like, he's a boy. That was awesome. It was great. It was like a highlight of my parenting. And I gave him a big old hug and said, dude, that was really stupid. But I love you. And I think about this because that's what Jesus was doing with this young man. He was looking at him with love. And he's saying like, you're there. You're right there. There is so much that you can hold on to. So much you can possess. But there's an elephant 
that you just don't want to deal with. I could picture this guy, and this is just total in the moment right now. I could picture this guy watching the disciples have this liberty to just go, no strings attached. I could probably watch him from a distance and see how, how these guys were interacting with Jesus and, and not thinking about, about what people were thinking about them or, or caring about them or just, just having this, this freedom in there where from a distance all he was thinking about is that's what I need. I want to be like them. I want to be in a place with Jesus that, that nothing is my barrier. That there's nothing that stands in my way. And probably after, maybe it was a year, maybe it was two years, maybe it was one moment where this guy was watching the interaction of Jesus and the people, Jesus and the disciples, and all that was going on with that community. That community. That he went to Jesus to prove something. I've done it all. I've done it all. Look at me. This is a sign of holiness. And yet, Jesus looks with genuine love. And He's like, do you really want to know? Yeah. No, seriously, do you really want to know? Go sell everything. Give it to the poor. Just come. Let's go together. Come follow me sounds so much more holy, doesn't it? Come on, let's go hang out. Let's go. And you see my expression? I'm like smiling, but in my soul I'm on the verge of tears because you knew that's what Jesus was feeling. Come on, let's go. Let's get rid of that elephant. Let's get rid of that elephant. And I don't want to read into the passage too much, but in one moment, this guy knew exactly what he was talking about. And there's a place in all of our souls. I know this. I know this. You want to know how I know this? Because I was so excited about this morning. And right before I woke up, I had this evil dream of one of my elephants. And I got up. I said, I got to go to the office. And I just went to the office and just prepared and sought Jesus. And in that moment, when Jesus showed him that elephant, he knew that this one thing had more control on his life than he was allowing anything else. God is great. So I don't have to be in control. Remember we talked about this? God is great. So I do not have to be in control. The issue what this young man was dealing with was not even wealth. It was about control. And his wealth 
and his possessions was what was his idol at the end of the day. At the end of the day, if he was confronted with fully giving up this one issue, this idol, to follow the Lord of heaven and earth, who was going to teach him what true control and liberty looked like, in that moment, the elephant raised his nose and won. This morning is not about possessions or money. This morning's about that you're here for a reason. It's a Sunday after Easter. This is the hardest one to come to. This is the one that like, you get like a, like a, like a trump card. A free one. But something brought you here. Whether you're visiting, whether you're calling to plant the, your home church, whatever it is. I mean, right now in our, in our community right now, we probably have 70 plus people missing. Not even exaggerating. But you're here for a reason. There's something that drove you here this morning. And what God wants us to begin to think about is, God is great. So I don't need anything to control me. And what we do is the things that control us are not just materialism. It can be people. It can be an emotion. Anger. Bitterness. Hate. It could be possessions. Your career. Your status. Your bank account. It could be an individual. A spouse. A loved one. A child. We are in a society where, children, where parents worship their kids. Parents worship their kids. In 15 years, remember this, in 15 years, unless we do not have a spiritual revival in the church of America, the church of America will almost be an extinction because parents, Christian parents, have chosen the things of this world over the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've chosen the God of sports, the God of education, the God of relationships. And in 15 years, unless there's a, unless there's a revival, the church of Jesus Christ in the United States will almost be non-existent. If you listen to any semiotician, any futurist, that's what they will tell you. Because this is what happened with Europe. But there has to come a point in our lives that we are so tired of doing religiosity that we're willing to say, God, reveal the elephant. Reveal that one thing that whenever I am walking and God will help you identify this, that trips you up. And I will say that eight out of ten times when you trip up and walk away from God, or struggle with community, or struggle with reading your Bible, or struggle with something, or find an issue to hate Christians. It has to do with your elephant. Your elephant has been put to war. 
with what God calls holy and good. God is great. He is all-powerful. Omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And that's why He says in Matthew 6, do the birds worry about what they're going to eat? Where they're going to make their nest? Where they're going to perch? Do the lilies of the field talk about where the water is going to come from to to feed them and, and make them grow and be beautiful? And there has to come a moment in our soul that we get so frustrated with our discontentment. This thing that just keeps driving us and and here's what you'll do is, you're just going to wander. You're going to become a wanderer. You're going to wander around, 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 around. And this life of faith is going to be horrific. And you're going to go to heaven and be like, Jesus, I'm glad I made it. I made it. I can't believe it. I didn't think I was. And you're going to realize all that you missed out on. You're going, to miss, you're, going to, you're going to realize the blessings that Jesus wanted to do in your midst. That's a really bad way to live. That's a horrible way to live. And I truly believe this morning, this morning's not supposed to be a negative. Like, I feel so bad. There's an elephant in my soul. It's so heavy. It's so heavy. I carry it. I can't stand up. No. No. That is so immature. That is so child. I'd be like, God, I got mommy issues. Deal with my elephant. I've been like that. Finally, I just had to like give my junk to Jesus. And every time he brings up an elephant, wow, I got another one. I, wow, there's a whole herd of them. I got a whole herd of them. No, that's not what he wants to do. I truly believe by the power of the Holy Spirit who is the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in me. And wants to let my elephants go. And in our heart, if we have our hearts, it seems like even though the Holy Spirit fills everything, that, that there's areas that we don't give to Him. Like we kind of put like a tent up. We don't let Him in. And today He's saying, I want to take that tent out with that elephant living in it and I want to let it go. And He's saying, I want to fill you today with something new and something fresh. I'm looking on you with love, he's saying. And I want the issue that controls you or trips you up or causes you to run to something else to be finally let out of your corral, of your soul. Anyone resonate with this? I mean, seriously, come on, see a hand. Anyone? Otherwise, I'm just whacked. Seriously, there are things in our soul that that the Holy Spirit just wants to release. You will never, 
This man was on the verge of missing out on the very mission he was created to live. He was on the verge. But let me just say this. I'm going to wrap it up real quick so we can just go into some time of prayer and worship. Do you know who they say the rich young ruler was? John Mark. Do you know who John Mark is? The author of this book. Do you know that he did walk away, but if you study church history, that more than likely when you study the life and the family of John Mark, that he went away and did a whole lot of soul searching. And at some point, he was willing to recognize his elephant. How freeing is that? You know, oftentimes as priesters, like, let's, just live and live, let's let them live in guilt right now. Let the guilt sit on you. Okay? Let's send you out. Let it fester. Today there's an answer. Today there's an answer. Jesus wants to deal with your elephant. Singular today. You probably have several elephants. But I want to trust that in this moment that there's something that really has kept you blocked. That he wants to release you from. And I believe, and I will say this prophetically, that God's Spirit is working right now that if you say, God, what's my elephant? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. You may think I'm weird. It's okay. So do my kids. Close your eyes. If you truly want to know your elephant, just say, Holy Spirit, reveal my elephant. Keep your eyes closed. I want to invite the band to come up. And I want to walk through what we're going to do right now. Because I believe right now God wants to do a divine work. Amen? Divine work. This could be anything. This could be anyone. This could be any emotion. This could be any circumstance. But God wants to release you from the elephant in your soul. And what we're going to go into in time right now is a time of worship, a time of communion, and a time of prayer. And I just want to, I want to invite Omar and Jeremy to come up to do the communion tables. I want to invite Bill, come on up. Is Mike Herbs here? No? Mike's sleeping? Psst. He's in trouble. I want to ask Shane, would you come up, buddy? And the three of us are going to be up here to pray over you. Sue, would you come up too? And we're going to have kind of like two different areas going. Like, let's let this be like one of those acts moment. Where if you're really struggling with something, and you're just like, I just need to deal with my elephant, come to one of us. If you want to tell us the elephant, tell us. If the elephant is just you're like, I can't do it, just say, God, just say, Bill, this is my elephant. Just pray against my elephant that I'd be released. But here's where the power is released. It's not in the elephant. It's in identifying what that elephant is. That's what I often see happen. When someone says pride, someone says anger, someone says frustration, someone says abuse, someone says whatever, that's when the elephant is actually fully released. 
We're going to go time to, into a time of worship. If no one's prayed for, then I had bad tacos the other night. This was not of God. But if you're here and you want to know the fullness of His Holy Spirit, let's be prayed over. Come up, be prayed for, take communion, and then let's do one of these moments when we've had during our prayer times, but when we worship, we're not like this. We're not looking around, but that we push into the Holy Spirit that God would do an amazing work this morning. Someone is going to be set free this morning, amen? Someone is going to find major liberty that we may not even know. It might be a visitor that we may never see again. This might be one of these freaky places they come to. But you know what? I'm willing to risk it all. Amen? Let's risk it this morning to push in. Let's worship. Let's eat together. Take the cup. Take the bread. Eat together. If you want to be prayed for, let's be prayed for. And just get to your seat and let's just see what Jesus wants to do. Let's get these herds of elephants out of our souls and out of our community. Amen? Amen.